that and we, you know, got into those, those things. Now, the result of the gospel is one that you and I become Christians. We become believers. We are born again when we respond in faith to the gospel. Amen? And so when we respond in faith to the gospel, we become Christians. We become children of God. But there is this one word, and it says we are born again. When the Bible talks about us being born again, that means that we are given new life. Say new life. new life. And being born, when you were born the first time, you were born into what? I'm going to just answer that question for you. Into a family. Say family. family. And so when you are born again, what do you think happens? You are born into a family again. Amen. And so you're not born back into the same family necessarily because, you know, your family may not have been Christian when you were born again. But here is what happens. You are born into a universal family. Amen? A family that's bigger than the people in this building, that's bigger than, you know, Florida, that's bigger than the United States. It's a, it's a family that the Bible talks about, a great cloud of witness, those who have gone to be with the Lord, that they're part of that family. We're going to join them and rejoice with them sometime. Amen? But there's also other family members in other continents, other countries, other places that are part of this big family. And God calls us to be part of a family. And so the positive results of the gospel is, A, that I am born again into the, into the family of God because he becomes my father. And then I'm supposed to connect with my brothers and my sisters. And so Pastor Chad was here. Where is he at? Oh, there he is. And so I asked Pastor Chad, who is our connect group coordinator. He's the leader of our connect groups. And so he is going to come up. And I don't know, did you plan already when you want that? video to be shown okay we can do it afterward so put your hands together with pastor chad i was gonna tell you to play the video put together he's gonna come together come up here and do this thing you know what bishop just inspired me we can go ahead and play the video now because we got a couple other things to do afterwards so let's uh, roll the video if you guys don't mind is because we want to be obedient to the scriptures and we want to do our best to reflect the image of God. So what we see in the Bible is that God reveals himself as a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in that, he had a relationship, intimate conversation, and we want to reflect that as being image bearers of God. I think um, Kenneth has impacted our lives because it's allowed us to Get the lights back on up here, please. 
Did everyone in here get a handout for the sermon notes? If you did not get a handout, raise your hand, and the ushers will come to you and give you a handout. Keep your hand raised until they get to you so they know that you got one. Also, if you need a pen, we have some pens, maybe not enough pens, but raise your hand if you need a pen, um, and they, they'll come to you as well. We got some good ushers. Yeah, right hand for, hand for the handout, left hand for the pen. <laughs> I'm going to open up in prayer uh, as you guys are getting your resources. Heavenly Father, you are righteous, you are holy, you are good. You are perfect. There is none like you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your generosity towards us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being mindful of us. As small as we are, Lord God, in comparison to how large you are, we thank you for thinking about us. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to be in fellowship with you to know you, to walk with you, to have a real relationship with you. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for your word that is perfect, that guides us and instructs us, corrects us. We thank you for your word that we can run to flawlessly all the time for instruction, Lord, for comfort, for peace, for direction. Your word is alive and it is active. It is true and it is trustworthy. You are faithful all the time and I thank you for that. God, I pray that you would use me this morning to communicate to your church and to communicate to those who that might not know you, God. Father, I pray that you would bring conviction to the heart. I pray that you would grant repentance today, Lord God. I pray that the gospel message would be clear and it would be beautiful. I pray that you would be glorified. I love you, God. And I thank you for this opportunity to speak to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, the handouts that you have, unless you're in a Saturday group and those details are follow, don't think too much of what I'm about to say real quick. But for Tuesday and Sunday groups, those handouts are very important right now. Because we're going to be discussing those notes um, in our first Connect meeting. And your Connect leader will be reaching out to you um, to make sure that you know where you're supposed to be on that first day of Connect. It is approaching. Uh, it's the first week of September. Not this next coming week, but the week after. So just uh, if you don't know who your Connect leader is, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. Please make sure you sign up um, or you can approach me. And um, I'll, I'll communicate that information to you. If you are not in a group, we'll get you in a group. Um, but those notes are important, so please follow along. Uh, the last two weeks, as Bishop said, we talked about the full gospel. Bishop uh, communicated about the bad news and the good news of the gospel message. We must understand them both 
to fully grasp the meaning of the cross and the necessity of Christ to humble himself, leave his throne, and be crucified in our stead. The bad news being that we have all have the sin problem that yields the death problem. That's the spiritual, physical, and eternal death problem that we all have because of the sin problem. And our good works can't save us from the righteous judgment of God. That's the bad news. And the good news is that God sent Jesus to satisfy our sin problem and our death problem, liberating us from attempting to provide those good works to cover our sins. Today we're going to discuss how the gospel message that reconciled us to God and to his church operates within community. So, with that said, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through chapter 6, verse 1. I think we have that available, maybe. If you're there, you can say so. If you got your Bible today, hopefully you have that, your little Bible app on your phone, or maybe the hard copy. I'm going to go ahead and read. This is the New King James Version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then as workers together with him also plead with you. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. God has called us out of darkness and into relationship with him and his body, which is the church. We are his means of spreading the gospel of reconciliation to the world. That's a very important responsibility, a very important task that we've been entrusted with. And we should not take it lightly, church. Community itself falls in two separate categories. It falls in an inward category and an outward category. It falls in fellowship and hospitality which would be more inward. That's people coming to us. It also kind of fits with our committed to, loving God and growing together. And then there's the outward aspect of community, which is more of uh, us going to people. It's outward. That is going to be your service and participation aspect. And it also fits in with our committed to, which would be reaching others and serving We are to be working together with Christ through the Spirit to bring the message of salvation to a lost and dying world consistently, fervently, purposefully, intentionally, all the time. No matter where we're at or what we're doing, this is our responsibility to be communicating the message of reconciliation that we've been entrusted with. The word reconcile is whenever you bring somebody, it's a change that takes place from enmity to friendship. That's hatred To friendship. The hatred is there between our relationship with God because of the bad news. It's our nature. But what reconciliation does, like we've been reconciled to Christ, 
We've been reconciled to God through Christ. Those who are of the church, those who have put their faith in Christ, those who have surrendered their lives to Christ, those who are trusting in him for salvation, we've been reconciled. We've been taken from an enemy of God to a friend of God. And that's the message that we've been entrusted with, to go communicate it. And if we have any heart at all, that should do something to us. Because we have nothing else to live for. I mean, honestly, every day could be our last day. So as the church, this message of reconciliation that we've been entrusted with is more important than anything else in our lives because there's people around us all day. We have neighbors, we have coworkers, we have friends, we have family members, we have enemies. They all need the message of reconciliation. They all need to be brought into fellowship with God. Some of them may already be, praise God. They should be on your team. You should join together in community and go spread the gospel. Amen? Reconciliation is our duty. We have been entrusted by God for that. God has given us the understanding of the gospel message. That in itself is grace. That's a spiritual message. The Bible says that those who are of the world do not understand spiritually, spiritual things. If we are children of God, we have been given the grace to understand the gospel message that saved us, that brought us into fellowship which leads us to our responsibility to bring that message out to the lost and dying world. Whenever we are made new creations in Christ, we are called to be a part of a living body. Like Bishop said, look around. I'd like to believe that most people in here are part of the church. That's why y'all get up Sundays and y'all come. Y'all love Jesus and you love his body and you want to come praise and you want to come worship. We are called into fellowship with one another. We are united to one another. And entrusted with that message of reconciliation. This is what brings us to community. We join together and we make his appeal. We make God's appeal. Think about that, church. We make the appeal of salvation. God uses us as his agents. I don't know about you. That should make you feel real small. It makes me feel small. Like, wow, me? Like, like you're going to use me? That's exactly what he does. How many in here were saved? without hearing the message preached to them from somebody. Raise your hand. There could be some. I'm not against them. You might have just been reading the Bible for some reason, but you probably picked up the Bible because somebody told you to pick it up. I don't know. But because we have been entrusted with this message and we communicate this message, there's power in that message. That's the gospel message. Amen? Amen? We have to start thinking differently whenever we want to talk about practically living out the gospel because the gospel can be spoken and it can be lived. And it should be both all the time. We have to think a little bit differently. In light of this, I'm going to read, um, uh, uh, I guess it's a writing. I don't know. It was kind of poetic, I think, um, by a pastor, um, Pastor Ryan Kearns. You'll enjoy this, I think. I did. I hope you do. Um, it's nice imagery um, and, uh, in regards to us thinking differently. Most kings build moats around their castles to keep their enemies out, but the king of kings built a bridge to his castle on the back of his own son in order to let his enemies in. Who does that? Only the true God, Jesus Christ. Jesus left his castle, showed up in enemy territory, and built a bridge with his own blood in order to bring us home 
on his back. And even whenever we disdained Jesus and his bridge, he graciously gave us saving faith in the gospel and carried us to God the Father. Jesus saved us to be with him and a part of his family. Thank you, Jesus, King Jesus, for leaving your castle, for entering enemy territory, for showing us your Father's glory, for building us a bridge and carrying us into your holy throne room as your blood-bought family once and for all. Thank you for your gracious gift of redeemed community with yourself and with your church. Help us to live lives together worthy of your gospel. Amen. Amen. We have to start thinking differently because the world around us, you see the suffering, you see the pain, you see the hurt, you see the hopelessness, you see the isolation. And as agents of the gospel message, as ministers of reconciliation, people should see something different in our lives. People should see something different in our community. Amen? Amen. They should see hope. They should see genuine love. They should see acceptance. They should see a come as you are. We'll love you. We'll care for you. We'll teach you. We'll disciple you. We'll mentor you. We'll counsel you. We'll feed you. We'll clothe you. Because Jesus loved us first, and we want to love you back. That's what people should see whenever they see the church. When they see the body of Christ, when they see the faith of a fellowship. Amen? Amen? Your neighbors need Jesus. I'm going to read from uh, Community, Brad House book. Most of you probably have already read this if you're a part of this church. But there's a lot of content in here, so you probably won't remember this part of the book. But um, if you do, praise God. If not, enjoy. Our neighbors are desperate to belong and be connected to a people. Some try to rebuild community through social action, campaigns, planning better, planning better cities, revitalizing neighborhood schools, or feeding the homeless. Others join gangs or social clubs, immerse themselves in vital virtual communities online, or they hang out in coffee shops. These are all attempts to satisfy the need for community. But the problem is, is none of these solutions address the real problem. They don't address the cause of isolation. The sin that disintegrates our communities and alienates us from one another is what put Jesus on the cross. He experienced the worst isolation, the worst evil, separation from God the Father. In trade, he gave us the greatest good, reconciliation to God and others, making community possible. If the church is going to offer an alternative to the brokenness and isolation of the world then it must be a community that is transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our solution can't just be to do community. It has to be the gospel. That's what we offer in community. It has to be the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because that's what sets us free. That is the solution to the isolation It's to be free in Christ, to be united in Christ, and to love the way that God commands us to love. So whenever we talk about community, we want to see kind of what this looks like practically. So Brad House elaborates with four different types of spaces that we can operate in within a community group, which leads us back to the inward and the outward of the aspects of community. So the first one we're going to talk about is that intimate 
zero to 18 inches space. This is called the fellowship space. And whenever you go to a community group, whenever you participate in a community group, whenever you join a community group, these are all four spaces that you should see operating in your community group. And it's not something that you should sit back and wait to see operating, but it's something that you should grab the reins to and try to operate in. How can you help? How can you serve? How can you be a part of? If you're seeing something that's not there that should be there, are you speaking up about it or are you sitting back and doing nothing? That's not what we're called to do. We're all individually agents. We're all individually ambassadors. We're all individually carriers of the message of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. So fellowship, zero to 18 inches. This is times to encourage one another in our lives with Jesus. It's Bible study, prayer, confession, repentance, worship. Remember I said it's the N-word. It kind of fits in with the committed to. This is like the loving God aspect. This is what you do when you meet on a weekly basis with your connect group. We're going to go over the sermon notes that you have. We're going to talk about it. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to invite you to ask questions. If we don't have an answer to your question, we're going to get you an answer to your question. If there is no answer to your question, then you'll Deuteronomy 29, 29 it and say one day you'll know. But not today. <laughs> Amen? This space, um, a lack of emphasis on this space this worship, prayer, Bible study will put us in danger of being a part of the world or being of the world. Too much of an emphasis on this space, this fellowship space, this real intimate zero to 18 inches space will keep you from going into the world. So as a community group, we can't just reside in the fellowship space. All right, that inward's beautiful, but we also are gonna get to the outward and we gotta make sure we get to the outward again because why? We have neighbors who need the gospel. Amen? I mean, how often do you hear somebody hurting about a broken marriage? Or their kids are rebellious? Or their kids are, are um, hateful towards them, spiteful towards them, cussing up a storm, some kids even hitting their parents? And you think to yourself, man, it shouldn't be that way. And it is, because the world is broken. And Jesus supplies an answer to that. Whenever individuals take the word of God for what is written, whenever they are given that faith, whenever they become converted and they become a Christian and they no longer live the way they used to live, they no longer love sin, but they hate sin. They no longer want to walk in sin and practice sin, but they want to run away from sin. And when they stumble and fall, they're burdened by it, they repent, they confess, and hopefully the community around them comforts them and encourages them and leads them back to the cross, and, and, and they keep on moving. But whenever people grasp this understanding of conversion and whenever they grasp this relationship with Christ and they take God's word serious, they begin to disciple their children. Their children, you know, they begin to love their children. I mean, it's not going to make everything perfect, but whenever a family or an individual or a people are living according to God's standards, you shouldn't see all of that craziness to the degree that you got kids hitting their parents. And I'm not saying it won't exist. Sin is still real and the enemy is still diligently attacking but what I'm saying is if you continue to strive, if you continue to abide, if you continue to hide yourself in his word, there should be a solution to all of that. And that's why we're grieved when we see our neighbors and we see them broken and we see them hurting because we know they don't have to go through that. We know they don't have to, to, to remain in that suffering state, which is why we can't stay in the inward space. We've got to get to the outward space. 
Keys to the inward focus of this fellowship, intimate space is, is to be Christ-centered and devoted to the scripture. Be intentional and authentic and be grace-filled in telling the truth. When you get an opportunity to speak in community, be real. Who are you trying to please? Be you. God's seen all your ugly, more ugly than you want anyone to know about, and he still died for you. All right? So don't worry about what I'm going to think about you because Jesus loves you. Amen? So be real because when you're real, that's when you're going to get authentic community, and that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's a better witness to the world than us sometimes going out and sharing the gospel with them. Whenever they see that real, true love, genuine, authentic community where people are actually loving one another, there's no backbiting and gossiping and, and, and all that foolishness carrying on. That's attractive. Hospitality is the second space. This is also an inward space, and this is also something that you should see within your community groups. This is like an 18 inches to four feet space, so you're, you're kind of backing up a little bit. This is where you want to kind of invite people to. I'm not saying don't invite them to the fellowship space on your weekly meetings, but maybe your group has a time at the park. Maybe it has a dinner night or something. I don't know. Your group will organize all of this as you participate within Connect, but it's a space that you want to invite coworkers to. Hey, we're going to dinner, me and, me and some people from the church, and uh, we just want to invite you. It's a little less intimate. It's a little less intrusive, so to speak. So hopefully they won't be scared away really quickly. We're not trying to be deceiving, but we are trying to be wise. Some people like that intimate setting. They want to just invite me to the fellowship night. I got a lot to say, and I need to repent of everything, you know, and, and it might surprise you. I don't know. But this is a good space for you to, it's a safe place for anyone to belong to our communities. So maybe you don't want to invite them to the fellowship space, you invite them to, to the hospitality space. The key is, is that you intentionally invite people to belong to your life group before belief. So you're not going around looking for all the other churches and all the other Christians in all the other churches and inviting them to your hospitality space because your church is better than their church. It's one church. Amen? Amen? But how about the one who maybe is he's an alcoholic. Now, you know there's going to be little rules. You ain't going to come in here all drunk into my house. I got kids and stuff. But, but maybe that night they ain't, they ain't crunk, so to speak. <laughs> so come over. Leave Jim Bean on the side. Just come over and hang out with us. We're going to dinner tonight. Whatever the case may be. But invite them before belief. Invite them before belief. Invite them before belief, church. Amen. Amen? Christ loved you. Love people. Love them before they belong. Any hobby or event can take this space. Uh, I think Sister Grace has a, uh, I'm going to mess it up. It's something to do with crochet. And, and you know what? That's awesome. Maybe she's got a neighbor that's like, oh, you're a little bit interested in that. Maybe she can create a, an opportunity to invite someone into a crochet meeting where they hang out and they talk. And what does this person get to see? They get to see a people that have been changed by the gospel. They get to see a genuine love. And by God's grace, they get to hear the gospel. Amen? Not just see it, but hear it. That's where we got to be bold, church, to speak about how good our Savior is. To speak about what he's done for us. To speak about how he's changed us. 
we, I've talked about this one too, and, and some of you might not be down with this, but, you know, it's okay. I still love you. But if you, uh, maybe you have, uh, I, I live in a young community. Uh, I got an issue. I got a, I got a, uh, I got a, I got a problem in this plan. I don't have cable, but maybe I could figure something out. But nonetheless, there's a lot of uh, people on my block that are, that are younger, uh, and they're into working out and stuff, and they like MMA, mixed martial arts. That's a space. That's, a, that's an opportunity. That's a bridge. You build that bridge like Jesus built that bridge with the cross. You build that bridge for them to walk over and hang out with you and talk to you. And you love them in spite of them. You don't say, oh, don't drink that beer, please. Don't drink that beer. I love Jesus, and I can't watch you drink that beer. <laughs> don't do that. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. But also don't pick up a beer and drink it with him if that ain't you. I mean, I ain't telling you to go get crazy. I'm telling you to love Jesus around them. You can't clean them up. What is, I think Bishop said you can't, you can't, you can't scale, uh, clean the fish before you catch them. And, and look, it ain't our job to clean the fish anyways. Right? The Holy Spirit's the one cleaning the fish. They're still cleaning us, right? Thank you, Jesus. The key to this space is to be self-aware, meet people where they are, and offer a welcoming experience. The next base is the outward. Now we got to get out the house, church. There ain't no longer people coming to us. We got to go to them. Outward. This is fitting into the 4 to 12 foot range, and it falls into the committed to as well with the um, reaching others. Meet the practical needs of your neighborhood. I want you to think about this when you're in your community group. What neighborhood does your group meet in? What are the practical needs? The first place you can start is HOA. Is there an HOA where you meet? If there is, great. You just got a huge opportunity for you to find out some of the practical needs of your community and begin to serve. Meet some of those practical needs. Bless others because Jesus blessed you. Amen? Don't fall into the trickery of, well, I'm not doing kingdom work. Yes, you are. Because if you weren't saved, you'd probably be doing something else crazy. You're doing kingdom work. You're, you're loving Jesus and you're meeting practical needs of your community. Praise God. Peter said that people would see our good works and that would cause them to glorify God. This implies that we are doing good works, church, in front of people who can see them. Amen? Not behind your blinds. Me and my house, we love Jesus, you know, but you don't ever get out and show anyone. That can't be us, church. It cannot be us because we have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. It is our job. Seek the welfare of your city. Guys, you guys got to have vision. It may start small. You think it starts at the HOA. Man, word travels. Man, we were low on budget. There was no way we were going to be able to paint this, this wrecked building. But faith on the fellowship, this community group, I don't, I don't know... They came over here, they started asking if they could help, and they didn't, you know, they, they painted the whole building. They tell so-and-so, they tell so-and-so, they tell so-and-so. 
If it gets back to us, what do we say? Praise God. We love Jesus, and we want to love our city as well. Jesus saved us. He redeemed us from destruction, and we just want to be a blessing to those around us. Amen? Amen. That's awesome. Some keys to this space is meeting practical needs, find common purposes, use local organizations, and combine passions. Combine the passions of those in your community. If they don't know Christ, it doesn't mean that they got nothing good to offer. They still got some good stuff to offer. Amen? They might not know the way to salvation. They might not know how you can receive eternal life, which is the most important. But they still love people. They still have practical needs. They still have a good understanding of what the city needs. Join them. Combine your passion. You just do it with a different motive. The last base is participation. This is 12 feet and beyond. Participation with our neighbors in common spaces and events. This fits in with serving. Participate in neighborhood activities and events as a community. So I mentioned this in in the meeting we had. Um, You got a soup kitchen right down the road, so to speak. This is hypothetically speaking. I don't know if there is. There probably is. I don't know. But there's a soup kitchen down the road. And your community group gets all on fire and wants to go and start feeding the homeless. So you start a soup kitchen here at Faith Dome. Now there's two soup kitchens, which is fine, but why not join that soup kitchen? Why, why not your group participate with what's already taken place and be a blessing to the community? That's just a thought. Join events rather than starting your own and be consistent. If you decide you want to participate in something, don't just do it once and then never show up again. Don't do it twice and never show up again. The people are looking forward to seeing you come back. Wow, there was such a blessing. A year later, who who is this again? You got, oh, oh, you want to serve? Sure, come serve. And they forgot you served a year ago because you weren't consistent. And if we want to be a blessing to the community, we should be consistent in whatever we participate in. Remember, our goal, our motive, our what we're doing is we are being ambassadors for Christ. We are being ministers of the message of reconciliation, and that's the goal. So when we get out into the community, we always want to make an impact wherever we are for the glory of Christ. The keys to this space is build relationships, hold participation as a priority, and emphasize on, on, on the consistency with your group. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, this was the last verse of the passage that I read. Don't simply agree with the mission of God. Take ownership. There's a lot of people who say, oh, this community thing, this is great. I can't wait to get started. I can't wait to participate. This is awesome. I'm so hyped up. This is a big pep rally, and, and, and they do nothing. Participate. Take ownership. Join a group. Add ideas. Whatever you're good at, offer it to the group. Offer it to the inward space. Offer it to the outward space. Bring your ideas. Take ownership with the mission of God. I mean, after all, you don't even need me to tell you this. If you've been redeemed from destruction, if you've been called out of darkness and reconciled to God, that's enough. Like, that should be all the motivation you need to get out into the community and share the gospel. That should be all the motivation you need to do anything for the glory of Christ. If your neighbors need Christ, all the motivation you need is that Jesus saved you. Amen? Demonstrate the grace that you received by living a life of obedience to Christ. 
If God's called us out into the community, if God's called us out to be the ambassadors for him, be obedient. Demonstrate that you have been called by participating. Amen? We don't do community. We are the community. I'm going to read a quote by Tim Chester and Steve Timmons. I'm not sure which one wrote it. They co-wrote a book together, and this was just one of the, the, the quotes in the book. Um, Sometimes people place a big emphasis on the importance of community, and they neglect the gospel word. Community then becomes a goal towards which we work, and exclusive focus on community will kill community. It is only the word of God that creates an enduring community of life and love. We don't do community. We are the community. We're the church. We've been reconciled to one another. We've been bonded together. We've been called out of darkness and united with one another. Pastor Robert often says that if it wasn't for Christ, he probably wouldn't be your friend. Maybe some of y'all he'd still be friends with, but he probably wouldn't be my friend. (laughs) Because he loves me because he loves Jesus. And I love him because I love Jesus. And Jesus united us. And now we're not just friends, we're brothers. Amen? We are the community. So we don't get together. We're not trying, okay, let's, 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 let's get our fellowship. Let's get our hospitality. Let's get our participants. Let's get our services. Let's get all this. Okay, we got all these plans. We got all these schedules. Don't forget that the gospel is central. If there's no forgiveness, if there's no confession, if there's no repentance, if there's no love operating in that community, that's a dead community no matter how much you're doing. Amen? Because we've been called out of darkness, y'all. We've been taught how to love. We love according to 1 Corinthians 13 love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Endures all things. Bears all things. Hopes all things. Believes all things. Amen? We don't hold record of wrong towards one another. We love each other genuinely because God loved us first. That's what our neighbors need to see. That's what our communities need to see. Think about how you can serve others and what needs you can meet whenever you're participating in community. How many people in here are vision carriers? That means you're members here and you have not joined. You don't, don't show me your hands because I don't, I don't want to embarrass anyone. And you're not. Okay. That's kind of just messed everything up, didn't it? All right. If you are here and you are a member and you are not a part of a community group, I have to ask you why. Because it's the sin that isolates us. And if there's a genuine reason why, your leaders should know. We should know. Whenever we talk about, whenever we think about you, whenever we're thinking about the church, when we're having meetings and we're saying, hey, how so-and-so, how so-and-so, how they're... We should, so-and-so is not a part of a connect group because we should, we should know exactly why. Because we love you. We want you to grow. And there's no way that you can experience the grace of God in the full capacity by yourself. If you really want to grow in the things of God, you need to have somebody who sins against you that you can forgive. Not just your spouse. All right? Because you already know that God hates divorce, so you kind of, you know, got to work things out. (laughs) But you need to have some other people sin against you. 
that you can forgive and love the way that you've been forgiven and loved. Amen? Don't be timid about joining a community. If you think you're not worthy, that's a lie from the devil. There ain't not one person in here that's worthy of the community of God. None of us. It's all grace. It's all unmerited favor. Through the gospel, God brings us together, the unlikeliest of people, and he makes them family. Church, we should be burdened by the condition of this world today. And I pray for boldness for all of us. I pray that we would not be cowards. I pray that we would not have fear of man that rules over us. I pray that we would not be more concerned about what man thinks or our own self-image than we are of the call of God. I pray that all of us live boldly in a manner that whenever the last day of our lives come, we can look back and say, I know that I lived every ounce that I had to the best of my ability for the glory of Jesus Christ. I know that I shared the gospel with so-and-so. I know that I told them about the message of salvation. I know that I invited them. I know that I loved them. I know that I cared for them. Because we can't save people. That's God's business. But it is our business to be communicators of the gospel. The bad news and the good news in full capacity and with love. Amen? If anyone, um, if anyone in here does not know Christ, they don't have a relationship with Christ, they don't recognize him as their savior, they don't even understand what the gospel is, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to give you the gospel real and. I'm going to explain it right now to you. Here's the gospel. The gospel is this, that we are born into sin. Every single person that is in here and every single person that is outside of these walls, they're born into sin. Utterly hopeless, cannot save themselves. There's nothing they can do to save themselves. You can get as mad as you want to. It doesn't matter. It all happened in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Sin was passed down from generation to generation, and yes, it's passed down to us. Because the Bible says so. And whenever we are sinners, when we're born into sin, that makes us enemies of God. We are worthy of one thing, and that is hell. We are worthy to spend eternity separated from God. That's the bad news. The good news is that God is righteous, that God is just. And he will not let the guilty go unpunished. Nobody will go unpunished. And the Bible says that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were his enemies, 
It says, for scarcely would a righteous man somebody would die for. Perhaps, maybe even for a good man, someone would dare die for. But God, our God, the one and only true and living God, demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were his enemies, he sent his son to die for us and to bear our iniquities. He paid the penalty for us. And that is why God can say, you belong to me. You are my child. That is why God can reconcile you. He can bring you from being an enemy and into being a friend. When you put your faith and your hope and your trust, not in your own righteousness, because the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags, there's got to be probably some motive that you have that you don't even know is there because you can't even discern your, the thoughts and intents of your own heart. But when you put your faith and your hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross to where you stand before God in heaven and you say, I know I don't deserve to get in, but your son died for me. I get in because he's righteous. I get in because he's my savior. I get in because he's my Lord. I get in because I trust in him and him alone for my salvation and my standing before you. That's the gospel, church. And if you haven't put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, if you're not abiding in him, this doesn't mean you're being perfect, but if you haven't truly said, you know what? I know that I cannot please you apart from surrendering everything and trusting in Jesus Christ. I know I'm not serving you. I know I'm not living for you. I know I'm putting on a front. I know I'm faking it. I know I got people fooled, but I don't love you. But I want to love you. I don't want to carry this burden no more. It's too heavy. I can't even bear it anymore. I want to be reconciled with you. I want to live for you every day that I have. I want you to be my God. I want to serve you. I want nothing else to matter more. I just want to hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant, whenever I stand before you. If that's you, please come forward. All I want to do is pray for you. That's all I want to do. I want to embrace you. I want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you that God loves you more. I want to tell you that you don't have to carry that burden. Today's the day of salvation, church. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it quotes Isaiah. And it says, today is the day of salvation. It is today. If any of one of you could guarantee that your life is going to be a day longer, a week longer, a month longer, then you can wait. You don't need to commit today. And if you are a part of the church, you love Jesus, you're just heavy laden because you've been slacking, 
You've been submitting to the flesh. You haven't been guarding your thoughts with the word of God. You haven't been living the way that you should. Maybe even you're condemning yourself. You don't have to do that. You can come forward. I want to pray for you as well. You can come forward and just say, God, I love you. And let the leaders pray with you. We love you too. And we're sorry that you're going through what you're going through. But we know that you can repent. That you can confess your sins. And God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness.